What's that you're hearing? A little classic Alice Cooper. That's right. We're starting the Five Heart Podcast off just a little different this week. Uh, I've got two guests for you. We've got Haas Reuter talking some football at the tail end. We've got Ty Peter on it to talk some Husker volleyball. Haas is up first. Haas, is it no more Mr. Nice Guy? Uh, you know, if, if you would have asked me that on Sunday and then before I rewatched the game on Monday without, you know, divorce of all emotion, it would have been after rewatching it and realizing we didn't play all that bad. Coming out of the woods a little bit. We're going to get uh, Haas's full take on uh, the Wisconsin game and looking forward to uh, another stiff competition uh, as uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes come to town. Uh, and that's all coming up on this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation and hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko, and I am joined by Haas Reuter. As you heard in the open just a moment ago, a little bit later in the show, I'll be joined by the Coronation volleyball guru, Ty Peter Onitz, but uh, that'll be the latter half of the show. Haas, uh, welcome back, uh, buddy, and... Uh, uh, man, it, it's it's been a, an interesting week uh, surrounding Nebraska football because we talked last week about this being the game where you you kick the door off the hinges against Wisconsin after coming up close the last two weeks, and and obviously that didn't happen, and things don't get any easier this weekend. Um, very early, and I think a lot of people had had similar feelings after that uh, game, uh, the thirty-eight to seventeen loss uh, on Saturday night. A lot of hot takes out there, um, and I, I don't know. Um, it, you had said that's why we we threw out the uh, you know the no more Mister Nice Guy because you had said you know what man the gloves are off. Uh, let, let's you know let let's as as you said moments ago let's uh, you know take take Sherman. It's like carving a path, you know, to uh, uh, the shore. Sherman's march. Um, what? changed from those initial you know emotions or feelings after uh, that game to to where we are almost a week later well a lot of it was uh just finally sitting down and re-watching the game on monday night i, I was busy all day sunday and truth be told really didn't feel like watch re-watching the game on sunday when i did have a spare moment just because i was still kind of reeling from you know what had happened the night before but after sitting down and re-watching it and just kind of divorcing myself emotionally from the game, it was pretty evident, by and large, I mean, until the until the dam burst open, we played well enough to win the game. I mean, through two and a half, three quarters, 
we played well enough. It was just, you know, fluky type stuff. The pick six that caroms off of Ozigbo's shoulder pads, the freak missed field goal. DeMornay drops a surefire touchdown pass in the end zone. You know, the pass interference penalty is not being called against the – I mean, the Wisconsin DBs, they, they mug with the best of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, in some states I think that's assault. But, <laughs> you know, that's neither here nor there. But when our, our receivers have trouble getting separation, what they're allowed to get away with, which is just uh, ridiculous because based on their style of play, well, it's like, well, spirit of full disclosure here being the J-Sker of coronation. <laughs> I've seen a lot of great in Southern Illinois basketball games their rivalry you know and they southern illinois had like randall falker and stetson Harrison, and uh the way that southern illinois was allowed to play from the officials was just based on oh that's that's their style uh, if that style violates the rule book that's a crock of shit in my opinion I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all and i remember uh those siu carbondale uh creighton games and in fact uh i I had to do a, a double check when I heard the name, but I, I think that I went to grade school. No, in fact, I know I went to a grade school with a Stetson Hairston. I can't guarantee it was the same one, um, but it's kind of odd that you brought that name in. Man, um, he's a damn good player. Yeah. I mean, as, as much as I couldn't stand Southern Illinois back then, but, man, I mean, he's a good player. Um, let's – things went – very well that first drive up until of course the unfortunate pick six mm-hmm. and, and i know the the commenters uh or commentators because uh, i'm i'm separating i want to make sure there's clear clarification i'm not talking about you know the game thread commenters or facebook or twitter commenters the actual commentators uh kevin kugler and uh uh matt uh, millen and and don't get me started on him um <laughs> but but one of the things they notice is, and, and this was a theme throughout the night, is Nebraska gets a little bit of momentum heading their way, and then it's a gut punch. And it, it happened on that first drive. We were moving the ball really well, and then, you know, a bit of bad luck, uh, a pass thrown a little bit behind Ozigbo. Um, I don't think there's any any question about that. However, there's also the uh, theory, I guess, that if, you, if it hits your hands, you should catch it. Um, that's just you know stroke of bad luck uh, the the drew brown miss which is rare uh there there was just an awful like every time nebraska was close when it was 17 17 i thought if we could have gotten you know one more score and gone up that we would have you know obviously been in control and and force wisconsin to play from behind a little bit uh and maybe something that they're not really used to this season it just didn't happen you know we we went up 17 17 and bam they just answered right back yeah, remind me of that uh, Tracy Lawrence song. Uh, how's it go? Every time I make my mark, someone goes and paints the wall. I mean, oh, every see, time the door cracked open a little bit, just slammed shut again. See, I, and you went, you went there, and uh, as as you were making a musical reference, I I kept thinking back to Paula Abdul. Don't ask me why, but two steps forward <laughs> and three steps back. Um, that that's just you know different eras, I guess. I I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, she had Love a, 90s country music. Yeah. Uh, you know what country music was country music, damn it. Um, exactly. But uh, we also, I say we, like we were out on the field. Uh, Nebraska also struggled immensely, uh, or I should say continues to struggle immensely in stopping Wisconsin's run game. 
I don't get it. I don't think that their offensive line was overwhelmingly good. I mean, they always have a pretty solid line, but they they take no name running backs and put up you know Heisman like numbers against our defense. I don't understand it. Can you explain it? Because nobody else has an explanation. A lot of it just stems from the fact that you know they have that culture in place since Alvarez took over in 1990 in Madison, and they have a they have a clear cut idea of who they are, and they develop guys into who they need to be for that program to be who they are. And I mean, despite it being a lineage of Alvarez, Bielema, Anderson, now Chris, they haven't really deviated from Alvarez's overall plan. I mean, a down block through those four coaching staffs is a down block. It's taught the same way. Their polling guards are taught the same way. I mean, if you put a tape up, and granted, Paul Christ was the offensive coordinator for Wisconsin in 2011 when we first played sure. first year in the Big Ten. But if you put a tape up of the 2017 Wisconsin offensive line and the 2011 Wisconsin offensive line, the names are different, but they look the same. They play the same. Yeah. And, I mean, even under Gary Anderson, when a lot of people may have made a bigger deal like, you know, like Gary Anderson delineated so far from what Wisconsin did, at least Barry Alvarez has, they didn't. It looked the same. They still ran, you know, they ran a lot of fly sweeps. They pulled a lot of guards, you know. And um, it's just been consistent, you know. They they have the same developmental program in place. I mean, since the year I was born, you know, in 1990, when we're working on our fourth staff in, you know, 15, 16 years. What does it say? And, and obviously, you know, it probably says more about – the university and in hiring Barry Alvarez and sticking with Barry Alvarez. Um, but all of these guys come in and it, it's almost like he hires guys that know, I don't want to say know the tradition because that's not, you know what, that's not, you know, that, but you know what I'm trying to say. They, yeah. that, that stick to they understand yeah, and stick to, you know, maybe, but also does that mean that the AD there has a little too much power as far as how, you know, the, how the the offense is supposed to go because it's well you know he's he's hiring guys who are running the same stuff that he ran you know almost 30 years ago where Tom Osborne had an opportunity to do something like that and and we don't typically bring up Dr. Tom on on Five Heart uh, podcast but you know he also made hires that you know were were not so I mean Pelini was not ever an offensive guy um, he's an offensive guy, different, you know, inflection. <laughs> um, but, but he, he, the hire was never made, you know, to, you know, bring somebody who's, who's going to run the option. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like Wisconsin is, we're hiring coaches that maintain the status quo where Nebraska has been, we're bringing in coaches that are, you know, going to stop the bleeding. It seems. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what we've been – I mean, I looked at – total nerd alert here, but Let's in preparation it. for this uh, podcast, I looked to see how many days have passed since uh, Black Friday in Boulder in 2001 until today, and it's about – I think, if I recall correctly, is 5,802 days. <laughs> and in that time period, I mean, we're, we've just done a lot of Band-Aids. Yeah. 
to try to stop staunch the bleeding and just try to you know find a way you know to get back to what we want to be what our standard of excellence is and was but we're not patient enough to allow the foundation to fully set you know and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because every game goes by and it doesn't matter if it's a close win over uh, Arkansas State or a loss at Oregon or a loss at, uh, against Northern Illinois or wins against Rutgers in Illinois or a loss to Wisconsin. And I think we're all caught up now. Um, <laughs> but every week, you know, e- e- either we lose and that's unacceptable or we don't win enough and that's unacceptable. Um, but you got, you know, so many, it's society in general is so instant gratification. What have you done for me now that it's bleeding over? I think, and I'll continue to, to carry this opinion. It's a detriment to, and not just Nebraska football, but, uh, you know, any program that was once, you know, on top and is not now. I, I listened to, uh, ESPN 101 out of St. Louis and, and because it's Missouri, you know, they talk a lot about Missouri Tiger football, and they're talking uh, just earlier this week about a couple of years ago when Mizzou faced Auburn in the SEC championship. And it's like, I remember that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, because they were talking about that one year that Alabama didn't win or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. and, and that's great, but they're talking about, you know, wanting to fire their second year coach. And a lot of fans are clamoring and wanting Mike Riley gone and we've talked on you and I've talked on this podcast he needs a couple more years uh former players have said Michael Rose Ivy said recently on Twitter he needs two more years because he's trying to establish reestablish a foundation um and you know a, a culture and I I don't necessarily like using that word culture but it, it is Mike Riley's program currently um I don't. I, I'll say. I'll say it right here. I don't want Mike Riley to go anywhere. Um, and we've talked about it before. This year being what it is, he's still bringing in top talent. Uh, you know, he's bringing in recruits, and you can't piss that away because you're displeased. It didn't. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Tom Osborne's championships didn't come in his first three years. I mean, just because we're on social media now. Everybody, because they can, you know, send out 140 characters in 20 seconds, they expect championships in 20 minutes. And the world don't work like like that. Exactly. Um, and I've ever since. I mean, on Saturday night, in the spirit of full disclosure, on my way out of the stadium, I went to the game with my dad, and I referenced. You know, I was just kind of so pissed off at that point about what had just happened that I just kind of, you know, I made a comment about I wouldn't be 100% opposed to coaching changes, you know, a coaching change in the heat of the moment. Sure. And, um, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, having blood in my eyes from that game, so to speak. And, then, you know, as I rewatch the game, you know, you get a, you remove yourself emotionally from it and you start going, okay, well, hey, that didn't look that bad, you know. That looked like it was supposed to. Just need, you know, better players, just need better execution. Okay, that call wasn't the best call, but, you know, a more talented player would have masked that, you know, bad call quite a bit. But I've arrived to the point where just Nebraska football needing that solid foundation so badly that barring, you know, a complete catastrophe like going three and nine, 
I want Riley back. You know, if we finish five and seven and that recruiting class sticks together and we get another year of development for the O-line, the D-line, Tanner Lee, you know, we get some, you know, burners at receiver coming in, you know, and like Joshua Moore. Um, I, I Riley gets 2018. And if 2018, I mean, you go eight and four, nine and three against the 2018 schedule, that's brutal. You get 2019. And I feel, I've always thought that I think Riley retires after 2019, after a five-year stint. But man, is he le- if that happens, he's leaving the program in such great shape. I mean, so much better than he found it. I mean, there was no there was a toxic culture yes. in Lincoln when he took over. It was talent depleted. Um the fan base was fractured, man. And well, it still is, but you know, the sun also comes up each morning, so that's nothing new. We uh, but, uh, yeah, for sure they there. And I, just, I have I have a coaching wish list, and not that I wish that anybody would lose their job, but this is you know every week goes by, and especially as uh, USF UCF, which one is it? UCF. Thank you. That's what I thought. Especially as you know they're continuing to play very well. A lot of people, and I think you know a lot of uh, folks in the coordination family uh, have been. I don't, I don't want to say displeased, but unimpressed, perhaps, with Danny Langsdorf this year. Um, it just doesn't seem like, like the play call is always there. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, I, I just, I'm not in 100% agreement with, with the offensive play call. Again, I'm not the smartest one. I'm sitting there you know, on my couch. You're a lot smarter than me. What do you see as far as offensive play call goes? Well, I like the I like the identity runs that are being established. You know, the duo play, the counter play. Um, times we go with like our pin and pull sweep, the Steeler play as it's called. And um, but in terms of the passing game, leaves a lot to be desired. And some of that's a function of when we have to go drop back passing. That uh, the O line is not great at protecting without a play action run fake or max protection. And then there's some of it where our receivers don't gain separation, but one of my Andy Langsdorf this season is that I feel like our passing game is a little bit stale. Um, on anything more than third and six, it seems like we go trips and we try to run three verticals with a crosser, four verticals, you know. And I don't know if we've completed a single pass off that play all year. Um Lee's pick six against Rutgers came on that play when he, and we didn't run that play one time, you know, through the first two years of the Riley era. And now this year, you know, you have a better quarterback. You want to take advantage of those things, but that play is just not working. And we've become a little predictable in our third and long situational. So calling. I'm going to throw this out there. If, if if Scott Frost were to ascend to the highest heights in Lincolndom, uh, I would want it to be. And, and I'm not saying he wants the job. Don't you know, listeners? Don't don't get me wrong. But if we could keep some head coach continuity, like have Mike Riley through 2017, 2018, 2019, but I don't know, maybe. 
Danny Langsdorf finds greener pastures, sunnier shores, and and takes an opportunity somewhere else, and that allows a Scott Frost to come in as an offensive coordinator. And then a couple years from now, after again maintaining some continuity, that if Scott Frost were ever going to be the head coach at Nebraska, I would like to see it play out. That I mean, he's he's still at what I consider, you know, even though they're playing lights out right now, they're still what I consider a mid-major school. Let him come back in as an uh, OC, and then and then as, uh, ascend to the highest seat. I I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. But if it were to happen, I would like him to be the uh, I guess the uh, appropriate heir. But not because Riley was fired, but because Riley said, you know what, I, I'm 78 years old. That, that, that's a few more years down the road. Um, but you know, I, I, it's time. I'm retiring, and and for the first time in you know a long time since 1997, have a coach leave on his terms, not on the university's terms, because you know he's not meeting the same expectations that we you know still hold every coach to since 1997. Yeah, you know, actually, to kind of segue off of what you were saying about you know that kind of scenario um just in the sense of riley you know getting retained for 2018 and maybe if danny langsdorf were to take an nfl you know quarterback coaching position or something like that or maybe you know riley shows him the door you know um which i i wouldn't be surprised if that happens if we finish like five and seven or six and six and riley gets retained i think you'll see a few uh sacrificial lambs for lack of a better term you know to appease the masses but i'd like to see a uh, you know an offensive coordinator and by you know that also is you know the new oc's offensive line coach come in with maybe a little bit more of a uh, modern i don't want to say modern because it's kind of a catch-all term but just kind of a um modernized offense you know kind of similar to what scott frost is doing so, you know, it sounds like our thoughts are piggybacking, you know, pretty pretty well off of one another. And, and again, not saying that Scott Frost even wants to ever come back to Lincoln. Obviously, he didn't show up for uh, the 20th anniversary. Uh, cold shoulder us. I'm sure he had other things to do. Kidding, of course. Um, you know, so, and as far, as far as many fans that want him to be the head coach, uh, there's probably still, you know, a number of fans who – I don't know, hold a grudge against him or, 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 you know, still disappointed in what, 1996, something like that. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not. I've realized that Husker fans are kind of nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, Husker <laughs> fans remind me of elephants. They don't, don't forget. You know, yeah. someone pisses them off or, you know, offends them. We're not inclined to easily forget. And uh, that's a one of our, one of the greatest things about Nebraska fans and one of the worst things all all in one. If we run back uh, for just a couple minutes and talk about that Wisconsin game, uh, hit me with some of the bright spots that you saw that we can, you know, find some optimism, some hope for the future. Because, uh, and, and we'll talk about it here shortly. Uh, another top, you know, top team in the conference is heading to uh, to Lincoln on Saturday. So, what what were some good things that you took away? Uh, from the game, either you know, from being there live uh, Saturday night or watching it, 
you know, with with the step back, with the emotional detachment on Monday? Um, the offensive line played their best game of the year, uh, considering the opponent. They didn't allow a sack on Tanner Lee. There was not a lot of penetration in the running game. Our pullers on our counterplay struggled, um, especially when Wisconsin's DNs and linebackers started squeezing that play down on the edge. And um, our tight ends, fullbacks, wing-type players on our duo play, they're not very good blockers. And, and I mean, I have Andy Janovich, Seethen Carter, or Sam Cotton, you know, setting the edge on duo just because of how good of blockers they were. And um, so the offensive line didn't play that badly. Um, Tanner Lee made really good decisions. Uh, it's not going to show up in the box score, but, you know, Known when to throw the football away, knowing when to tuck it and run a few times. His incompletions were on point, even. I mean, he had one to, you know, DeMornay that, you know, hit his hands that would have been a touchdown, but he dropped it. And then there was that other one to JD Spielman when pass interference should have been called, but it wasn't. But he was on target. Um, you know, the front seven, until they couldn't get a stop and then got gassed. I thought that they, you know, I mean, they were they were getting blocked earlier in the game, but they weren't playing terribly. Um, our, but that's that's really about it in terms of bright spots, you know, enough to that it's encouraging. Tell me, and you mentioned his name, uh, um, but you know, it seemed like third down, uh, Tanner Lee's looking J.D. Spielman's way, and to his credit, Spielman's coming through. Uh, there were a lot of you know third and eight third and ten situations uh where you know it's especially i think second half you're, you're trying to move the sticks and get some points on the board uh and those two uh seem to have really good chemistry they really know uh you know i think tanner knows where uh jd's going to be and 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 spielman to his credit knows where to be uh and and to be looking for the football because he's become kind of that hot route type of uh, receiver oftentimes when tanner needs him yeah, you know, Lee and Spielman's kind of on-field relationship kind of reminds me of like Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, you know. Brady always knows where Edelman's going to be. Lee always knows where Spielman's going to be. Uh, it's likely a function of them playing on the scout team together last year when they're during their redshirt years. And uh, I think Spielman's going to develop into a really good player. I mean, he needs to put, may put on a little weight, but strong hands you know he's fast runs good routes so i'm really excited to see him as he continues to develop i thought that for a moment there that you were going to say that their on-field relationship was similar to that of tommy armstrong and jordan westerkamp to which i was going to ask <laughs> oh are they roommates uh so yeah they're roommates you know <laughs> oh gosh oh man every game I last year just- but I'd be watching a game, you know, he, second Westy would make a catch, you know, early enough in the game. It was like, oh, and here it comes. They're roommates, by the way. They they play catch in the yard all the time. Yeah, just throw the football <laughs> back and forth as they're just, you know, sitting watching TV. Yeah, yeah not, not running too many routes there down the hallway to the kitchen, though. <laughs> no, no. Um, okay, so now it comes to uh, awkward awkward time because uh ohio state is coming in and uh you know despite the fact that they lost at home to oklahoma uh they're still a damn good team and uh they've been lighting up the scoreboard 
what I don't want to say, you know, like what are the chances or anything like that. I think they're 21 and a half point dogs, something like that to Nebraska is, but uh we've seen some really crazy things happen uh in in Big 10 play. In fact, uh I just saw it, uh, you know, found it on YouTube tonight, but 2015 after the win against Michigan State, uh and, and the team is all in the locker room and 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 coach Riley he says, "All right, we're going to do 10." And everybody knows that's 10 hip hip hoorays. What what is the honest? What is your honest expectation for Saturday night? Well, I'm going to go coach speak on you here. All right, let's do it. Uh, some bull Durham. Well, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I just want to see incremental improvement that we've seen every game since the Northern Illinois game. I just want to see us continue to just get better. It might not show in the box score, but you know, it's a vital part of developing a young team. Um, that being said, this goes against every logic that I had from about Saturday at 10 o'clock at night until about Monday at 10 o'clock at night. And it's still, I should probably be, you know, checked into a psych ward for thinking this. (laughs) I have a feeling it's going to be closer than people think. I just kind of got that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have no reason to think that way. Um, Ohio State's D line just you know, feasts on the run. Um, aside from Nick Bosa, they're not the greatest pass rushers, but, and they're young in the secondary. And so, I mean, you never know what can happen, but then you got to pair it with, you know, on offense, they have a mobile quarterback. They got JK Dobbins at tailback. Um, that Paris Campbell is a receiver who's going to burn up, probably burn us, and he burned a lot of other people on mm-hmm. shallow crossing routes. But um, still, I just, you know, I, occasionally I'll get some the, that intuition, and a few times it's been right, like 2015 Nebraska-Michigan State. Um, other times, or 05 Nebraska-Colorado, and we were 17-point dogs. I was right about that, too. But... Um, this one, I don't know. I just expect it to be closer than people think. Last year, going to Columbus, I've, uh, I've got a buddy who does some booking, uh, some money uh, exchanging for uh, athletic competitions. Uh, and I said, I said, man, I want to put 20 on Nebraska to cover. I lost $20 that night. Uh, I'm not putting any money on, uh, I, largely because I don't have a whole lot to spare right now. Um, but, yeah, I... It's it's so weird because you know they can come out and they can play really well and you got to remember that they they turned around that the biggest uh, comeback in in program history was at home on a Saturday night against Ohio State. Um, I I would like to see another receiver step up uh, who's not named Stanley Morgan, TPE, or JD Spielman. We really haven't seen anybody else. Uh, you know, in in the in the receiving game this year, and that kind of includes the tight ends because they have been a little stone-handed. Uh, so I'd like to see somebody else step up there. Uh, maybe you know, uh, uh, lost you know, son of Lincoln or something like that. Uh, uh, you know, sneak in the, in the secondary and, and and do some magic. I would like to say that you know Diaco was pulling up film from the Wisconsin game when. Wisconsin was on defense and saying, hey, this is the 3-4. They run it real well. They've been running it a long time, and it's worked for them. This is what they did to stop us and other teams. 
let's you know do something implement that and and you know maybe bring a a fresh look to the three four which is weird because we're only seven games now into the three four um but but do something that can slow down the Buckeyes because damn I hate Buckeye fans I mean I've got friends who are Buckeyes fans and I like them as long as we're not talking about sports um because they're also Browns fans and Indians fans and Cavs fans. I mean, they're from Ohio, so I get it. But it doesn't mean that I want to see Facebook posts all Saturday night gloating about Ohio State beating Nebraska. I don't want text messages at 1030 saying, oh, man, better luck next year or, uh, you know, anything like that. I want to be able to send those text messages out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean – I'm I'm right there with you on that. Uh, my grandma is from Martin's Ferry, Ohio. My grandpa's from Nebraska, so that's <laughs> why you know in Nebraska. But um, she wasn't much from Ohio State. She's a huge Husker fan. She's your typical Husker grandma. Um, she is still around. She'd probably not want Scott Frost here as head coach because <laughs> she never forgave Scott Frost for hiding in the closet during the Lawrence Phillips yeah. incident. And she uh, she counted injured Florida players with me during the 95 Fiesta Bowl when I was five years old. Just just a great lady. But despite her being a Husker fan but being from Ohio, I still gave her crap about Ohio State. <laughs> we just liked them. And, uh, I, you know, some of the relatives on that side of the family talked to one of my aunts, you know, a little bit more than they talked to us. And uh, she was just saying about how last time I saw her that we should really root for Ohio State, you know, because – part of our family is from there and uh, that's a no for me dog uh, no no fucking way excuse me i've hated ohio state since i got into husker football that year in 2002 when they won the national title so that was a, that was a good time to uh to jump on the hate bandwagon because a lot of people were jumping on the ohio state bandwagon and i've always been contrary in myself uh if it's popular i i tend not to not to pay it much mind um so, yeah, I'm on board. Uh, let's hope for a nice, good, competitive game on Saturday night, and, and maybe the good Lord is going to take a little pity on, on uh, the Scarlet and Cream and, and, uh, and, and give, us, give us a mercy win. I would take a mercy win. I would take a pity win over Ohio State. I don't care. God, I'll take it anyway I can get it. That's right. God, if you're listening, which – That'd be great if he was downloading the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher each week. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I'll take a pity win. I'll, I'll take a pity. I'll put an extra fiver in the collection plate on Sunday. All right, we're good. I just, right. just kind of have that feeling that um, you know there's going to be a weird play, kind of like what happened at the end of the Michigan State game. Yeah, because I remember you know that Thursday, and it's. Kind of, I'm gonna jinx it now because I'm pointing out the parallels. That's all right. But, um, I'm knocking on wood, so we're good. Yeah, I, I am too. <laughs> um, you know, I saw on StubHub today that tickets are going for as little as like 31 bucks. You know, and uh, I remember Michigan State game two years ago. I bought tickets the Thursday before that game for 45 bucks each. So under face value, coming off a bad loss, and I remember. Uh, my sister's boyfriend was asking me, like, well, why the hell would you want to go to Nebraska-Michigan State game where you get our ass kicked? I think he actually bet against Nebraska that day, too. So he couldn't even be happy that we ended up pulling it off because he lost money. <laughs> um, but I remember I told him, I was just like, yeah, 
something weird's going to happen, you know, and just sure enough, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a soothsayer, but I'm just kind of saying, like, you know, I got that same feeling, just chips are down, backs against the wall, and oh, there I go with the coach speak again, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, something weird's going to happen, mark it down. All right, uh, if nothing else, scoreboard may say one thing, we don't know, but Haas is declaring here on the Five Heart Podcast that something weird is going to happen. Uh, yep. So, Haas, thanks for uh, uh, joining me for a little bit here. We're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to flip things around, talk uh, about a uh, Husker program that's been doing more winning than losing lately in conference play. And that, well, I guess technically football's been winning more than losing in conference play. But anyway, we're going to talk some Husker women's volleyball. That's coming up in just a moment here on the Five Heart Podcast. Hey, everyone. Kevin Huntsberger here from my one two three cents the podcast, and my one two three cents.com Every Monday, a new episode drops with the latest news and happenings in the world of professional wrestling. Head to the archives and listen to interviews with legends of the ring like Double J, Jeff Jarrett, Mick Foley, Kamala, and Dan the Beast Severin. Current superstars like Sheamus, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston have been part of the discussion too. Again, it's my one, two, three cents, the podcast, a wrestling fan's perspective. Thanks for listening. Yo, this is DMC in a place to be, and the only place for me to be. I'm a super, super, super nerdy, geeky dude. Is right here with the one and only Nerds United. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast and uh, flipping things up now and talking volleyball. And up until uh, the evening of this recording, we thought we'd be uh, positive on the volleyball side. And for the most part, I think we will be, but we are recording this just moments after uh, the fourth-ranked Nebraska Husker women's volleyball team lost on the road at 11th-ranked uh, Wisconsin. So if you're keeping track at home, that's 2-0 and Badgers in a week against the Huskers in various sports. Uh, joining me to talk volleyball is our volleyball guru, Ty Peter Onitz. Ty, uh, welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me tonight. We had gotten together uh, earlier in the week primarily because you were in the Slack chat room and, and listeners by now know all about the Slack chat room and I'm I'm kind of surprised that none of them have said, hey, what, just go ahead and give us the, the password to the Slack chat room because you guys talk about it all the time on the show. Um, by the way, listeners, we're not going to do that. We, we have to keep a no, few we, things for ourselves. Um, we, we like to feel like we're important. That's right. But you said, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Greg, if you ever want to have me on the Five Heart, talk a little volleyball. And I'm like, yeah, we could use a pick-me-up in, uh, the, in, in old Husker uh, sports. Uh, so that was earlier in the week. We, we put it together. We were able to have Haas on, uh, obviously, you know, a little bit ago, and, and now talking volleyball. And, and up until Wednesday night, uh, things were rolling along really well for uh, the Big Red on the on the old volleyball court. Yeah, they they yeah, were. That's, they were. That's I mean, very they, true. I mean, it's been a very nice season this year for the Huskers. They are thirteen and three, I believe now. Um, 13 and 4 now. 13 and 4, okay. That's right. Yes, when sir. they showed the graphic uh, on the TV, it was before the end of that uh, uh, that match. So, uh, But yeah, they were undefeated uh, and, and knocking off. I mean, Big Ten is the Big Ten is to volleyball what, uh, and, and people are going to hate me for saying this, what, what the SEC is for football. I mean, it, it's the dominant, looked at the most conference in, in college volleyball, at least in, in my opinion. Am, am I wrong on that? 
No, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, most most of the the pundits out there, most of the experts would agree that the Big Ten is, is you know the best conference in the country for volleyball. You've got eight teams in the conference whose RPI is in the top thirty in the country right now, um, and and at least one of those teams isn't even a ranked team in the top twenty five. So it's a brutal conference for volleyball. And of course, uh, it has the defending national champions. We don't have to yep. you know, say any more. And in fact, no. No, Stanford won it last year. Son of a... What, two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, the Huskers won. Gosh dang it. Yeah, that I, that my, my timeline's all screwed up. Okay, so... It's all good, I understand. All right. Uh, I'm not even going to worry about editing, post-production nonsense. No, we'll just... We'll just Continue on knowing that I'm an idiot uh, with a bad memory, and, and everybody will be uh, accepting of that. Um, but yeah, uh, they, you know, they. Let's go back to I guess about a week and a half ago. Um, yep. It was a home. I mean, this had you know had a lot of the coordination family there in Lincoln. Had a, a SB Nations uh, Matt Brown in town, and you got to take him, who you know he's. You know he's an Ohio State fan, but he's not really a volleyball guy. But you got to take him to the Devaney Center for yep. Husker women's volleyball and that um, that experience. Uh, what what is so I guess special? Ha- having not seen it in person myself, and, and I'm I'm not the only one, but uh, what is so special about uh, that that Husker? women's volleyball experience? Uh, first, you know, obviously used to be at the Coliseum, now at the Devaney Center. Is it is, the fans are tremendous and they and they show out yep. and and um, you know we've talked about it before that that really the, the volleyball team aside from maybe UConn women's basketball is probably the only uh, self-sustaining women's athletic program in the country. What what I know and the last time that I talked to somebody about that in the the department it was UConn women's basketball. Tennessee women's basketball and Husker volleyball okay. uh, just after they moved to Devaney. Now, I don't know if that is still true for uh, for Tennessee women's basketball, uh, but certainly UConn obviously is still self-sustaining, and, and the Husker program is riding a 220-some-odd, I want to say 223-match uh, sellout streak. And, and the benefit there, I mean, they're going to catch and bypass football just because there's a lot more volleyball to be played, right. uh, you know, per year than uh, than there are home football games. But uh, yep. their their video, I, I guess, I guess it went viral. But the, they had the the was it the lights up or or lights out or or uh, the Husker lights app. Yep. Yeah. So was that a normal thing or was that just you know like the the football fans tried to do a blackout? Is that just a a special thing that they only do? you know, once, maybe twice a, uh, a season? Uh, so far, I, I won't say that it's been an every volleyball home match, but it's something that they've tried to do with the intro music. Okay. Um, you know, with, with the with the, the technology and the systems that they have in Devaney between the, the Jumbotron, and the Jumbotron is, is ludicrously big over the center of the court. It's awesome. Um, you know, they've tried to use that Husker Lights app to get every phone and every every spectator involved in the show as well. So talk, talk to me about that technology. Um, is, is this something where, you know, like I'm there, I'm in, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm in section 101, uh, you know, row 15 or row AA or whatever the hell it is. And I'm in the crowd uh, and I've got my yeah. phone out. Are they controlling the light on my phone or is that something I'm doing? Yes. Through the Husker lights out there, wow. controlling that flash, that flashlight, that outer light. 
uh, on your phone. Uh, it's, it's really, I mean, it, it's remarkable. And it's really funny because there will be a few people every match who either don't have the app loaded or don't have it loaded correctly. <laughs> and so, so like their light will just be on, like they'll just turn their flashlight on. And so theirs will just be on shining and everybody else's are flashing along with the music. Fair enough. Uh, but the number of people who are doing that has gotten less and less. That, that mean, I mean, obviously, that means the word is getting out. They're getting fixed up and, yep. and, and able to, uh, you know, get the technology side of aspect of it corrected, you know, by the next time. And, yep. and I'm sure that a lot of them are sitting there, uh, and as soon as it's over, they look to the person next to them who has it figured out and said, "What did I do wrong? Help me out!" Yep. You know, let, let you know. So, so by the end of the season, it's going to be in sync. Everything's going to be perfect. And uh, what what a terrific way to get the fans involved uh, and and let them be part of that experience more so than just the clapping or cheering. I mean, that's that's oh, a, yeah. that's a spectacle. That video, uh, I encourage everybody to search it out on on uh, I guess Twitter or, or YouTube or Facebook. But that's uh, that that's astounding what what they're able to it do is. there and and i'm sure that uh, the the young ladies uh, on the team are just you know they they've got to be that amped up every time that hits oh i would think you know and it's you know, we started talking a little bit earlier i mean it's just another piece of what makes the Devaney experience really really truly unique in college volleyball you know you've got places like rec hall and it Penn State is another great example of, of a place that is such a home court advantage for the team that's playing there. You know, for Penn State has a huge home court advantage at Rec Hall, but Devaney has so many things, just the, the volume of fans that are there, the number of people, the, the decibel level that that place can reach uh, is so unique in college sports. And, you know, and part of what uh, Matt and I talked about when we were at that match, it was, it was the Michigan State match a week ago. You know, not only do you have that unique fan experience at Devaney, but you add that to just the, the excitement and there's just a level of fun that I feel like stays with volleyball all the way to the highest levels of the game that you don't necessarily see in other sports. Um, you know, and what I, what I compare it to is, you know, if you, if you, let's say that you're playing in a basketball game, it's a high school basketball game. Uh, your team goes on a big run. The other team calls a timeout to try and slow it down because you've scored, you know, six, eight, ten points and they haven't been able to answer. And, you know, you get to the sidelines, you might be a little bit excited. In volleyball, if the other team calls a timeout, it's cause for celebration. Every point is a cause for this big celebration. You sure. see it in the girls and, and the way that they celebrate. And it's just, I love that that sticks with that excitement and that, that passion, that kind of childlike enthusiasm sticks with the athletes all the way through the game. It's one of many things I love about volleyball. I was in Shadron uh, working at KCSR, uh, AM 610, uh, stereo. Let me, let me do it right. Stereo AM 610 KCSR. <laughs> Uh, out in Shattering, covering uh, the Shattering Cardinals uh, when uh, Nebraska, as as a, I, I can't even remember, is it the NHSAA? Is that right? Or am I getting Yeah, that? Uh, yeah. NSAA. NSAA. NSA, all right, I threw an extra H in there. Uh, but yeah. when, when they adopted the rally scoring, uh, and, you know, for me and my old school mentality, even if, you know, this was 14-something years ago, um, it, it still took me a little bit to process it. And, and I've... You know, I'm the oldest 35 year old you'll ever meet, Ty, and and I'm, you know, I'm I'm setting my way. I can confirm ways. that. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I'm third. I'm older than you are, so. Yeah, uh, but but I'm 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 already you know like the get off my lawn, you know, setting my ways. You know, new music sucks. You know that that's that's me. But uh, uh, so right. you know, it it took me a little while, but but man, it's it's so much fun to watch this rally scoring. It makes for a little bit of a longer night. Obviously, because you know you can, it's best of five now. Um, yeah. But 
like you said, you can you can stop momentum that quick. You can change moment. We saw it on uh, you know that that Wisconsin game. Uh, there was going back to uh, the fourth set. Uh, there was yeah. a, a crucial call. I you know they it was called. It, this is one of those uh, you know football. They would throw a red challenge flag, but uh, yeah. um, there, there was a uh, an attack. Uh, a hit from Wisconsin, and it went out of bounds. And initially, it was called. You know, the the call on the field was that it was out of bounds off Wisconsin, and and Nebraska would get the point. They reviewed it. I didn't see any any deflection, any tip there, but right. the refs, you know, saw something that that we didn't, and so they awarded the point to Wisconsin. That really, I think, that was a. a Aside from the fact that Nebraska started in an 0-2 hole, I thought that was a really uh, big, uh, you know, changing point, a big turning point in in the game in the match. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and you know, I I, I coach the sport as well, and I've been coaching it. Um, I actually laid this out uh, for for the club where I coach the other day. I, I started coaching uh, when I was uh, 20 years old, and since then I'm 36 now. I've coached 30 different seasons of volleyball. Um, you know, between boys volleyball, between uh, girls high school and girls club volleyball. And I, I tell you what, man, at one point, it's so, looking at the sport one point at a time is so critical because if you try and make the sport, the, the game, anything bigger than that in volleyball, it really changes everything and it skews your entire perspective. You know, it's not like basketball, football, so many other sports where you can score more than one point. You know, when you talk about sports that have a volume of scoring like volleyball does, like basketball like football it's one point i mean volleyball happens one point at a time and you know you look at other sports like soccer and hockey that are one point at a time sports there's not the volume of scoring like you get in volleyball you know five points in volleyball can happen in less than two minutes and it feels like all of a sudden you're getting smoked but it happened one point at a time so we talk about that a lot with my teams that that one point can be critical and that one point was a critical point changing the momentum of that fourth set and if i remember correctly at the time uh, the score was Nebraska 23, Wisconsin, I want to say 20 or 21, and Nebraska didn't score again. Um, uh, was it, or was score, it a little earlier than the that? The original score after the original call was 22-19, Nebraska. Okay. okay. When they overturned the call, it was 21-20, Nebraska. Wisconsin got the next point, and then two more. So yeah. they wrote 23-21, then Nebraska got two, and it was 23-all, then Wisconsin got the last two. All right. Well, thanks for setting me straight. Um, I, you know, and I might be wrong. It's all in my recap on coordination.com. Hey, hey, nice plug there. <laughs> That's what I do. Shameless plug. Asking people at Blue Blood Brewing here in Lincoln, Nebraska about my shameless plugs. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, I know you took Matt and, and several of the other coordination fam to uh, Blue Blood Brewing. And because uh, I, I know our fearless leader, John Johnston, was uh, uh, begrudgingly accepting the fact that he didn't get two growlers to take back. And you said, well, by the time we got out of the cave... The tap yeah, was he was opining that fact. Yes, and, and that's the, that. I mean, what other brewery in Lincoln has a cave? I mean, none. Yeah. So if you want to go, if you want to do drunken spelunking, there's really only one place to go. Hold on, slow down. Let's not go ahead and encourage our listeners to go do drunken spelunking because uh, we don't encourage that at Blue Blood. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there will be a disclaimer in the write-up of this saying that the views and opinions uh, expressed are solely of me and not Blue Blood Brewing Company. <laughs> um, ideal, ideal. 
but before the you know the the speed bump against Wisconsin, Nebraska was rolling. Uh, they had yes. they had big wins at home last week, which we talked about. They went and won at Penn State. Penn State uh, currently the number two team in the country, and that has been one of the most exciting. Uh, matchups and, and I guess maybe new rivalries since Nebraska, uh, as as a uh, athletic department, as a as a university, joined the Big Ten is Nebraska Penn yeah. State volleyball. I look forward to it, even if I don't watch it. I look forward to uh, reading the recaps on coordination.com or following <laughs> the uh, the Slack chat room or Twitter because it's always a barn burner. And these are you know two of the premier. What what I like about Nebraska Penn State. Uh, volleyball is right now these young ladies are opponents rivals but what we've seen in in the last you know few years four eight twelve something like that is they are go on to be teammates at the uh international olympic level uh and that's that that is that's fantastic um you know because obviously they put you know, as I think, you know, anybody who goes on, uh, you know, and plays professional football or basketball or, you know, anything like that, eventually, you know, you might get an Ohio State and a Michigan guy on the same, uh, you know, defense in football. You got to put that yeah. stuff aside um, and, and, you know, focus on the new goal uh, and what these women have done, you know, going on from college to, to you know, the Olympics. It, it, it's fantastic. It is, and, and you, you know, it speaks to um, the the level of expectation in those programs. It speaks to the the um, the level at which those two programs practice. That those girls are are ready to step in uh, at the international level and and go and represent the United States and, and compete for medals in the Olympics and in World Cup competitions and things like that. You know, you do have a lot of Nebraska players, a lot of Penn State players that go on and, and play roles. Uh, at the international level, I, I don't know the numbers. I've never, um, you know, taken the time to research that. But you know, you had three former Huskers on the last Olympic roster in Jordan Larson, Kelsey Robinson, and Caleb Banworth. Uh, and and I, there's no reason to believe that at least uh, Robo and Larson won't be on the next roster because Jordan wants to come back and play again in Tokyo. Uh, and you know, Justine Wangarantis was a was a heck of a libero for the Huskers, and she did a lot of great things for the national team last year and some of the international competitions through the summer. And it, uh, you know, so that's just speaking to Nebraska volleyball, but you know, Penn State again. Russ Rose has has had that program at a high level for a long time. They won a hundred and some odd straight matches over a four year span. You know, that was that was a hundred matches without losing a, a match. So that's remarkable. It's it's. I'm so glad that you brought up Jordan Larson. Um, you know, obviously Olympian, uh, gold medalist, uh, Nebraskan, and yep. a, a, a. They just what did they just have retire her jersey or have Jordan Larson yeah. night in the last week or so? Yeah, Jordan Larson night was um, I believe it was against Minnesota. Um, I, I would look at my computers in the process of restarting because technology is the best. Yeah, it's um, great. I have but, I have a Jordan Larson story. Excellent. Um, and, and it's 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 gonna sound weird and creepy. It's a it's a Jordan Larson story from afar. Uh, my first year in uh, Shadron, uh, I was obviously covering sports and football, and and that was the year that uh, the girls volleyball team went to the state uh, tournament. And of course, the first team that they drew uh, was a, a Columbus, I believe. If if I want to say it was Columbus. Um, Anyway, it was Jordan. It was Jordan yeah, Larson's yeah, team. Yeah. Um, so, 
and, and I believe she was a junior at the time, and everybody was saying, oh, you know, she's fantastic. I think she's already committed and, you know, going to play for the University of Nebraska. So obviously that was a talking point in our broadcast, but that that's my Jordan Larson story is that for this one morning in some high school in Lincoln, I got to watch a future Olympian gold medalist play volleyball. And, and obviously they, they won, they beat, you know, the Shadron lady Cardinals. And it was a long eight and a half hour drive back to, uh, uh, the, the North Northwest in the panhandle. Uh, but that's my Jordan Larson story. Um, it wasn't a great story. I never promised excellence in the story. I just gave the facts, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's I gone on to have a, excellence in stories. She she has has gone on to have a, a tremendous career both uh, at the collegiate and 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 beyond. And what uh, me being an, an idiot, perfectly fine admitting that uh, in some cases. What is uh, we're all idiots in certain areas. Sure. And and so this is this is part of my area. I, I'm an idiot in a lot of areas, but uh, we'll start here. Wow. We'll start small. <laughs> After collegiate volleyball, uh, you have the opportunity. You know, if you're fortunate enough or, or good enough to to go to the Olympic level. But what like what other options are there for? Uh, you know, we always hear every every uh, you know sports season. Usually in every game, there's a you know there. Are, Fourteen thousand eight hundred and fifty-two uh, college athletes, and only two percent right. of them are going to go pro. And this is what the others are doing. What what's right. what's that next step for a collegiate volleyball player? There are, there are a lot of of international leagues, uh, a lot of professional leagues. Excuse me, in countries around the world, uh, as close as Puerto Rico, and I believe that Larson did play in Puerto Rico uh, uh, for at least one season. Um, but I know she's playing on a, on a team in Turkey right now. Um, I've known players who have gone and played in uh, Germany and Italy's got a league. France has got a league. A lot of Eastern European countries have leagues. Um, Croatia has, has a league where a lot of girls go and play. Basically where uh, so they don't are, have baseball or football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and truly, it's, it's, volleyball is a, is a sport that has caught on, and on a, professionally on a high level in a lot of other places around the world. In the States... It's basically you play sandball, you know, and there, mm-hmm. there have been a couple of tour uh, of tours that have two on two sand volleyball. Now, some of these these players do go and play, but a lot of them want to stick with the indoor game. And so they go over and they play overseas. They go play in Europe. They play in uh, some of the Asian countries. And like I said, even uh, some Caribbean countries, Puerto Rico does have a very good league that has a lot of people come play there. One more sidebar tangent, and then uh, we'll wrap up talking about the Huskers. Um, Sounds good. The evolution of the knee pad. <laughs> I, f- I feel like there's not enough pad. Like ten years ago, there was a lot of pad, and now it's a very thin pad. And I was wondering if you could explain why. Um, really, because it restricts movement much less. The smaller pad does. Um, I feel like it doesn't pad. It, it doesn't pad though. Yeah, it doesn't. But really, as a coach, we try and keep our girls from going to the pads. Okay. Um, you know, when I, when I played, I didn't wear knee pads. Um, and I was only a front row player, but nobody on my team wore knee pads, including our, our back row players. Um, you know, it's just, as coaches, we encourage our girls not to go to the pad. We want them to go across it. You know, it's nice to have it there, but we don't want them hitting that knee pad. So yeah, it, it has gotten smaller, but uh, at the other hand, just like when you, you, know, you talk about memory foam technology and bedding and things like that, where the, the foam has gotten firmer and more supportive, you're kind of looking at the same thing. The foam has advanced too, so the foam is 
stiffer and is better at absorbing the shock so you don't need as much pad at the same time but you know it's easier to move in these pads getting more it's just out of easier to, yeah you can you can bend your knee more easily you can make the quick movements that volleyball requires more easily in these smaller pads i like it um and that was a very thorough thoughtful and and unexpected answer because that was not a question you probably expected heading into this <laughs> no it wasn't but you know it, it's funny because when you're around the sport when you're around any sport, you know, like like with football, if you look at the evolution of the football jersey through the years, for example, you look at the evolution of the equipment, you go, man, it's, it's mind-blowing because you think about, um, <clears throat> you know, well, uh, that's what I can put it is in, in the sport where I participate the most uh, fervently, and that's snowmobiling. I love to snowmobile. And we look at snowmobiles from just 10 years ago versus what we have now, and we thought 10 years ago that was the greatest technology that ever there would be. And now here we are 10 years on going, how did I ever – do what I did with that snowmobile. You know, it's the same way with the equipment for for basically any sport. It's like, man, I can't believe how much different uh, the equipment is. Or even just look at the evolution of style in some sports. You know, the big baggy basketball your uniform from Allen Iverson's day. And now we're back to the shorts are still kind of baggy, but a lot of the jerseys are much more form-fitting so that it's easier to move in. You know, you just, they just kind of figure this stuff out as, as time goes on. Again, thought-provoking, honest, real. <laughs> Good job. Not going to make it into the final one, into the final <laughs> cast. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Um, okay, so back to the Huskers real fast. Uh, yeah. They they were, they you know, up until Wisconsin, they were, were on a hell of a tear. Um, they went to Penn State and won, uh, and yet Penn State was – is Didn't just ahead. win, swept Penn State in Rec Hall for the first time since uh, 2003. Yeah. Nobody had gone to Rec Hall and swept the Nittany Lions since 2003. Why is it that the uh, – uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get it right. Is it the AVPA? ABCA, the, the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Okay, ABCA. Uh, I don't know where the P would have would, would have stood for anyway. Professional uh, gets thrown in there sometimes. It's fine. Why is it that they didn't see that enough to uh, hurdle, you know, have the Huskers be ranked – ahead of Penn State when you go in there into their floor I mean a, a hell of a program hell of a team like we've you know already said and you sweep them and it's never happened in the last 14 years why was that not enough it, it seems to me like you know the the Huskers now can carry a little chip on their shoulder especially after uh, uh you know the unfortunate loss to Wisconsin and use that as motivation for right. the rest of the season well and I I kind of when when we, we when we knocked off Wisconsin and Minnesota and we were really on that tear after beating Penn State, I kind of had that same thought. Like we, we should be we should be number two in the country, but at very worst we're number three in the country, right? And and then we weren't. Uh, you know, we're number four, and and that was the exact thought I had. Not only were we number four, but the team that we we went in and did really an almost unprecedented thing against Penn State is is ranked ahead of us. And I kind of think tonight kind of shows us why we're a young team and we have had Wisconsin's on an unexpected setback this is a really good volleyball team who was looking to avenge a loss that they thought they avenge a loss that they really thought was a win that they let slip away you know uh, 11 days ago and um, you know they're just a good Wisconsin's just a good volleyball team but Huskers lost to UNI in Omaha you know lost to Northern Iowa in Omaha which is de facto a home match for the Huskers and didn't just lose like it wasn't like it was close when the Huskers lost. They lost in four sets. Mm-hmm. So I think that the coaches must be looking at that whole package and going, yeah, the Huskers look really good right now, but that part of the team is still there. And if you look at the first two sets tonight, there was 
it, it didn't look crisp. It didn't look clean. And when you talk about a young program, you know, we've got so far this season, we've had three freshmen that are playing fairly big roles in Jazz Sweet as one of the outside hitters, Lawrence Stevens as a middle blocker, and then Haley Densberger, who has been uh, playing serving specialist and doing a lot of serving stuff uh, for the team. So that's the only thing that I can think. I, I can't, in my head, as a volleyball coach and as as a uh, you know as a volleyball contributor, I can't I can't justify why they weren't ranked ahead of Penn State. But that's the only thing that I can think of as looking at the total package. And then, of course, you get into that conversation as happens from time to time with uh, the football polls of well, are we looking at the team right now or do we look at the team as the whole package when sure. it comes to choosing the four for the college football playoff. Do we, you know, let's say that Ohio State wins out convincingly. Now, do we knock Ohio State because they lost to Oklahoma, who then lost to Iowa State? Or do we not count that because that was weeks ago? You know, so it, it's, it's hard to answer that well, but I really do think that Nebraska should have been higher ranked. But maybe now we look at this and go, okay, maybe they're where they need to be in that. Maybe we need to be in that five to eight range right now because this team's going to come. I think this team's going to grow up and you're going to see the maturity and the, the real ability of this team come the postseason. They're going to be a dangerous, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be... A team that's probably seated a little bit lower, and those higher seated teams are not going to want Nebraska coming to their gym. You you kind of answered my next question because I was I was going to ask what you see next uh, for the Huskers, uh, and but you kind of did it. You kind of answered that one, and and uh, you know obviously we'll we'll get together and we'll chat more about it. Maybe uh, yeah. at the end of the regular season, uh, or or you know a couple intervals between now and then. Um, but yeah, I'd be happy to. I I was encouraged. Uh, you know, you go down zero and two. Same thing that happened on the home court, but again, you have the home court to to help rally you back when you're in you know an unfriendly uh, uh, place like Wisconsin, and, and it doesn't matter if yep. it's basketball, football, volleyball. Wisconsin's unfriendly. Uh, people are, yep. are nice as long as you're not talking sports. Um, <laughs> but but beyond that, Wisconsin is awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so so you go there and, and you get down 0-2 and, and you're able to get that third set uh, and and doing well in the fourth set. Again, we talked about that that shift in momentum there towards the end. Um, but yeah, hopefully they carry that with them. I, I do project, like you said, I do project some more uh, good things. A, if, if they're a top 10 team, uh, like you said, they're going to be on the on the bottom of somebody's bracket and and nobody's going to want yep. to deal with them because they will have – they've got the talent. I, I loved what I saw out of Jazz uh, tonight. Um, you know, as you said, powerful uh, outside hitter and looking forward yep. to what she can bring, not just the rest of this year, but in her career at Nebraska. And, uh, um, you know, they got young talent. They've got, they've got a few veterans, and, and, and they can, they're, they're going to make some noise. They're going to they're gonna make people, uh, uh, you know, want to avoid them. They are, and I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another hiccup along the way for two reasons. One is the Big Ten Conference, and that's just, that's what happens. Sure. Um, and you know, a young team like you mentioned, there's a lot of young girls that are that are young women, excuse me, that are contributing in a big way. Um, but we still have, I mean, we're still in the driver's seat for the conference. Uh, you know, the only team that we've that we've lost to now is Wisconsin, who we've already beaten. Um, and you know, then you look at we beat Michigan State, who knocked off Wisconsin uh, twice. So. You know, we're in the driver's seat. We're in pretty good shape. Um, but, you know, it's not all about the conference necessarily. I, you know, they were projected to be about fourth in the conference, and I think they're going to finish higher than that. You know, the postseason run, I think, is going to be really exciting with this team. 
Looking forward to visiting with you more about uh, Husker women's volleyball tie, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to do so in the regular season and uh, especially at the beginning of the postseason. Uh, thank you for joining me here on, on this episode of the Five Heart Podcast, the split episode between uh, uh, Ty and Haas Reuter, who uh, we had. Uh, man, it, it just sucks talking about losses, especially when they're to Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. But, and, and now we've got Ohio State this weekend, so, um, yeah, I've got to get beer. Uh, that's all I know. I, I got. It. I didn't have any beer. In the, I didn't have any beer. That d- does a uh, does Blue Blood Brewery uh, deliver by chance to Illinois for me? No, but we should be available. We 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 distribute to Illinois. Really? We do. We're in we're in Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois. I'll, I'll have to look and see if they're in any of my uh, area stores. So uh, we'll have to pop over. Could, could I uh, could I find that on uh, Blue Blood Brewery's website? Would they have locations of where their uh, fine I, fine beers are available? I'm 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 gonna say no because I don't want to get your hopes up. <laughs> I don't think that we we do, but I can probably quickly find out what parts of Illinois we distribute to. I do think it's a good part of the state, and I know we started off in the southern southwestern part. So um, score. We should be there. You should be able to find us. All right, there are a couple of uh, places that I know that have fairly uh, sizable beer uh, offerings, so uh, I'll be checking those out, and, and hopefully I'll be br- be drinking a Nebraska beer while watching uh, a Nebraska win this Saturday night yep. against Ohio State. And uh, Ty Peter Honest, thank you so much again for joining me. Uh, everybody, uh, make sure that you throw Ty a follow on Twitter. Uh, and uh, what's your Twitter so that people can find it? That is uh, Coach underscore Ty Six. That's the it. number six. That is at Coach underscore Ty, the number oh, six. Oh, yeah, I forgot the at. Uh, or you can just find it in uh, the write-up, coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com. Uh, follow Haas Reuter as well. That's that's pretty simple. Again, they're all there, coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com. Uh, this has been the Five Heart Podcast. I'm Greg Mahochko. And uh, Ty, I'll ask you to do the honors, sir, and and uh, I will set it up, put the little ball on the tee. All I need you to do uh, when I send it your way is say those four magic words, the WDTG. Wait, did I? No, WTWTG. I'm still here. All right, yeah, all right. It's I know what it is. It's fine. WWJD. No, okay. Um, no, not that one. No? Okay. Oh, all right. Well, fine. Um, okay. <laughs> So and say hi to your brother for me, uh, <laughs> uh, Greg Mahachko, Ty Peter Onitz, and previously uh, Haas Reuter, reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need, and win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. <laughs> <laughs>